I'm not sure it's on. You need to remember to do that. I need to remember to do that. Are we on? Yeah, yeah you're on. Okay, good. Uh, we all have stories we like to remember and retell all the time. As you get older and older, you keep telling the same stories sometimes over and over and over again. Sometimes the kids and grandkids say, well, here it comes, mama's story, or grandpa's story. Well, how's he going to end it this time? Because sometimes they forget halfway through the story uh, where the ending was going. Sometimes preachers do that with sermons. But today, uh, we're going to talk about remembering uh, and the importance of remembering. Today is a, an important day in history. Uh, if you saw the movie Groundhog's Day, it's Groundhog's Day number two. Because in that movie, Groundhog's Day kept repeating itself over and over and over again. Day to remember because it's Super Bowl Sunday. There's another event that happened 76 years ago that were two veterans, not many of them left, remember very well. The USS, excuse me, the USAT on transport ship Dorchester was crossing the Atlantic in the early dark hours of February 3rd, 1943. 150 miles out from where it was headed to drop the soldiers off in Greenland, it was torpedoed by a German submarine. And as chaos took place, the ship began to sink. And there were not enough preservers uh, or vests for everybody. But amidst the chaos, people dying, people still in their underwear, jumping into the water, freezing from the cold waters, somebody had to make some kind of organized way to get people safely off the ship and out of danger. Not all of them survived, but as the sink was shipping, sinking, there were four people on board that were seen giving their life vests away. One was a Jewish rabbi, another was a Catholic priest, another minister, and the other, another Protestant uh, minister. And those clergy chaplains, if you will, took off their life vests to give to four who did not have one. And then they united their heart, arms together, prayed and sang as the ship went down, and they went down with it. February 3rd, is a day in World War II history that's very important to the World War II community. It wasn't necessarily a battle cry, but it was a time to remember four who were not soldiers, but rather chaplains who went down with the ship trying to save others, and giving up their own hope of surviving. Each of those four chaplains from different faiths became united in their care and concern for other human beings, regardless of their religious background. I know this story well. The story was told to me on my first day of chaplain school when I became an Army chaplain. I would imagine that Amy, you probably heard the story too. And the way it was told to me was, is if you're ready to do this, you're ready to become a chaplain. 
once I discerned that yes, was, I went forward. For the last 15 years, I have been organizing a memorial to the city of Tucson to celebrate and remember this particular event. Uh, today, I'm not involved, uh, other than I've been called a couple times as a consultant and saw an email message this morning, what are we going to do with the grains? I wrote back, get wet. <laughs> but it's a way to remember. We remember things in events like that because they tell us something. The story tells us something. This particular story reminds us that people of different backgrounds can get together for the better and greater good. It reminds us of the sanctity of life when others are willing to give up what they have to survive so that somebody could survive. The story reminds us of our nation at war and what it is in our country that can hold us together. It's a great story. I challenge you to read it. And I'm not here to talk about that event today necessarily, but to use it as a stepping stone to, to remind us of what the story of the Lord's Supper tells us. We read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about uh, what, what Paul had said about taking the Lord's Supper. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is telling his disciples to go and prepare the Passover feast. Passover became Last Supper for Jews to sell Passover. Jesus used Passover to tell the story about what he was going to do. The disciples go to Passover later on in that passage. When the hour came, he, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him and he said to them, I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. We may have this imagery of is it Da Vinci's Last Supper painting where everybody's reclining on each other? Uh, the Lord Jesus is in the middle and they're having the Last Supper together. But Jesus wanted to serve and have this meal with them together. He took bread and when he, he broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you and the new covenant in my blood. It's interesting that he uses the word covenant in here because the very celebration of the Passover symbolized to the Israelites for centuries the covenant that God had with them. The covenant that he had with Abram. That they would be promised a land that they would live in. A land flowing with milk and honey. That they would be his people. And that their descendants would be many. It was a covenant that God had made with them. And all they had to do was following him and bask themselves in his glory and love. And the Passover supper was a celebration to remember that in spite of the covenant and promise that God had given them, while they were enslaved in Egypt, working for the Egyptians, that somehow they were still saved. Passover tells the story how on the last night of their enduring slavery, 
the angel of death would come over and take out the firstborn of every living thing, except for those who had taken a lamb with the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their home. And when that came through, and the firstborn were being lost, the Israelites never lost one. As an angel passed over, they were then allowed to escape and enter, to leave their bondage and slavery, and start moving towards the promised land that was given to them in the covenant. Jesus says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. When Jesus came, he compares the covenant that he had with the Israelites in the Old Testament to the covenant that he has with us. I am going to lay my, my life for you so that you can be free from the bondage of your sins. And he compared one with the other as he laid out his new covenant. And it is in the taking of the Lord's Supper that we remember that covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. That if we will take him at his word and accept his promise that his son died for our sins, that we would be forever with Jesus throughout this life and eternity to come. The commands concerning the Passover was, uh, remember that you were once slaves. Take this dinner as a memorial so that throughout your story, your, your history, you can tell this story. Remember this day because it was the strength of the hand of the Lord that brought you out of this place. So we come to the communion table because it tells a story. It tells a story of Jesus. Written on the communion table underneath the white linens, it says, do this in remembrance of me. So we remember. We remember Jesus. For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There is more to this passage than just remembering Jesus. For receiving communion and reading the scriptures from 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that there are at least six takeaways or lessons from the communion scriptures. One is fellowship. That this was to be a time of fellowship together. And the backstory from 1 Corinthians is, is that the Christians had become very divided and disunified with each other. They couldn't come on many things. Particularly, how do you even take the Lord's Supper? Whether it was cup first or bread first, whether it was uh, to be a just a ritual that we do just to get the ritual out of the way or whether what its meanings were it divided the Christians because they had forgotten to take it 
in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus instituted it for a time of fellowship and unity within the divisions amongst the people they gathered. I've already mentioned that we do this in remembrance. That's the second takeaway, but I'm going to focus on that more. Thanksgiving. Jesus gave thanks knowing what was going to happen to him after the Passover meal. That he was going to be betrayed right after that. That he was going to be taken, arrested and taken to the cross and crucified. Placed on the cross. Resurrected. Eventually to ascend into the heavens. Jesus knew that this was coming, that he was about to suffer. But yet, in the midst of that suffering, he stopped and gave thanks. So another takeaway from the communion celebration is thanksgiving. He said, take this. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. The table is a place a proclamation of what we believe in Jesus Christ. When we come to this table, we believe that Jesus Christ shed his blood for our sins and that his body was broken for our salvation. We proclaim in Acts chapter 2, communion was celebrated in the early fellowship of the church on the day of Pentecost. And the gospel was proclaimed because 3,000 people were added to the church that day. It asked for a time of self-examination. A man must examine himself and in, do so, in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Do not drink of it in an unworthy manner. This is a time of self-examination when we come to the table. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive, to cleanse us of our sins and to forgive us. I forget this every time I get up from the pulpit to quote this verse. I don't know why it's so difficult for me to remember. But if we do confess our sins, He is faithful and just for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we self-examine and we claim the forgiveness of God because in the claim of that forgiveness, he cleanses us and forgives us. The sixth lesson or takeaway of the communion table is expectation. It says you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus is coming again. There's expectation that the world that we see today is not all that God had intended. Jesus will come back someday and take us all to be in heaven and glory with him at some point in time. Expectation. Not just expectation for Jesus coming back, but the expectation that God is at work in us and among us. And God is at work in Community Baptist Church and lives among us. And we proclaim that truth 
with expectation that those who need it will hear it and accept his love. But I want to go back to this idea of remembrance. Because I think there is something valuable. Just like retelling the story of the four chaplains, or retelling the story of Groundhog's Day, or remembering the commercials that come out of it, or anything else that we want to remember. We remember Jesus. All aspects of Jesus. We remember his life. Not too long ago, just a little over a month ago, we celebrated Christmas. It's interesting that before Christmas at this time, we're singing Christmas carols and decorating buildings and everything else, but just six weeks later, we seem to have forgotten about the birth of Jesus. We remember his life and all that he taught, all that he did, the miracles, the calling of his disciples, his teaching. We remember his crucifixion. We remember his resurrection. And this is historical. You can look it up in Wikipedia, that great online encyclopedia. And you can get the story of Jesus and be called to, remember, to our memory of it. But we also, in remembering Jesus, need to remember our personal encounter. For we've all had a personal encounter with Jesus. I call you today as we come to the table to remember your conversion. What was it like the day you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? What, what was leading up to it? What took place? And what happened after? It's an event that took place in your life that began a personal encounter with Him. And as you recall that personal conversion to him and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I call you to remember your walk with him, how you have grown in his love and grace and mercy, how he has met your needs over the years, how he has walked with you in times of feeling abandoned, feeling hurt, feeling suffering, pain. Jesus is right there in the middle of that. I call you to remember your personal encounter with him. Not just the history of Jesus, but the personal encounter. Now I titled this message Christian Alzheimer's. And quite frankly, I can't remember why. Although, Alzheimer's is slow and insidious. Alzheimer's effects are short-term memory and eventually a long-term memory. Maybe those things that we take for granted when we forget to breathe, our kidneys forget to work. Slow and long, but it's about not being able to remember what's going on. Christian Alzheimer's is similar, but it's a little bit different. It starts when we forget the little things, such as the meaning behind the Lord's Supper. 
It starts when we forget to pray down. It starts when we forget the fellowship of the church. It starts when we forget to go to God's word for support and teaching and encouragement. And as we neglect those things, just like in Alzheimer's where short-term memory goes away, those small things, as they are neglected and go away, lead up to the big things that take us away from the love of God. God's lover will never forsake us or abandon us. The scriptures are absolute true on that. However, we can walk away from God through the small things that we do of neglect, the things that are important each and every day. The scriptures say, every time you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you do so in remembrance of Jesus. Not all churches take it on the first Sunday of the month. Some churches take it every week. Catholics celebrate it as part of their Mass. Every Sunday, every time they meet together, they celebrate the communion table in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Some people take it once every three months. Regardless, we're called whenever we take communion to remember him. Not only the historical Jesus, but our personal connection to Jesus. For in remembering what he has done, we don't neglect the small things and end up forgetting how to function spiritually when the big things hit. For it is remembering him on a routine basis that we're able to move through those things that are not routine. Um, as I was preparing this message, the song came to me. Um, it's a hymn. I learned it as a, as a kid. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example to see. Living he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified pretty forever. And one day he's coming, oh glorious day. That's what we remember about Jesus. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified me pretty. And he's coming, oh glorious day. We remember that on a routine basis. All of that. God will be with us as we walk through the great things. I'm going to invite those who are serving communion to come to the table. This time, prepare our hearts for communion.
this time, I invite you to the Lord's Supper. We will take this in remembrance of Jesus. What he did historically, what he's done personally. What he'll do today, and what he'll do tomorrow. Someday he's coming back. The scriptures say that when he given thanks, he broke bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took our supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We have that promise of Scripture. that we will confess our sins. He is faithful and just forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I invite you at this moment to take a moment, just you and God, you and Jesus sitting right there wherever you are. Take a look inside your own heart. Then let Jesus take a look inside your own heart and realize that Jesus has cleansed that heart and forgiven whatever it is that you saw before Jesus went.